trade talk is back. And we will never be whack. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Trade Talk. If you don't know that song, that is from the Fat Boys. I don't know. I was watching Crush Groove uh, the other day, so that was stuck in my head. Anyone who hasn't seen Crush Groove, go see Crush Groove. Great movie from the 80s. Very funny scene um, from uh, Sabaros and the Fat Boys eating a bunch of... But pretty much eating them out of an all-you-can-eat buffet. (laughs) But anyway, let's get to the main point of what's going on in today's episode of speculative gluttony. We're getting right into it today. I'm uh, in in a limber, loose mood and uh, very clear-headed. And I really want to make this episode because I've been noticing, it took me a while uh, to even want to comment on it because I wanted to make sure I was right, but I think I am very right. Speculative gluttony. What is the hypothesis here? What am I saying? I am saying that uh, the overall optimistic outlook for U.S. equity markets uh, has completely decoupled from the Federal Reserve economic data, allowing people to be overly optimistic. Now, you would say, what are you talking about? That is wordy. Well, what I'm really saying in simple layman's terms is you guys keep buying uh, the dip or or buying into small rallies with no uh, continuation of volume because news media is presenting things as being stronger than they are. Worst of all, Some analysts out there, not all, some, especially the ones that people love, like Kathy Wood, are saying, hey, this whole thing is transitory. The Fed has to do what it needs to do. It's okay. People are going back to work. Uh, Continued unemployment benefits are ending. People are going to have to go to work or they're not going to be able to survive and live. The economy is reopening. Uh, the demand that is sitting there or the supply, excuse me, not the demand, but the supply that has been sitting out there will now be consumed because people are back active and moving around. That is the biggest load of BS I have ever heard. Because if you haven't come to understand yet, the data is for real. And that data will become headline risk at some point. My hypothesis for this episode is that due to markets decoupling uh, from the actual Federal Reserve economic data that shows markets are going, that uh, consumers are lagging, we will easily continue to see hopes of speculative information coming through the newswire that is uh, holding markets high. The other thing that will keep markets high is the looseness of margin debt and that people keep taking more and more margin on. The simple fact that prices keep going up so consistently, though they don't have a follow-through because bigger institutions are now playing cautious, as I've stated in my other episodes about banks um, putting out warnings and chirping about 
uh, potential slowdowns and actually just straight up double dip, double dip recession. Let's not even say a slowdown. The word is clear as day. You're being sold speculation. The average person in the market is being sold speculation and they're buying it. But let's talk about why speculation is keeping markets frothy and how. So one of the first two people that I do want to speak about in this whole concept is Bill Ackman and Kathy Wood. And I'm a big respecter of Bill Ackman. I love that uh, 15, what was it? Yeah, 15 million to 2.5 or so billion dollar trade in one day. An amazing trade. I definitely couldn't see it. Also based in macroeconomics, might I add. But Bill Ackman feels this recession is very transitory. He is still long the stock market and continues to support that people going back to work and vaccines should make everything A-OK and uh, the Fed should be able to tighten without much of an issue. Everything should be transitory and not necessarily saying back to normal, but our new normal, which we can function in with an economy able to get growth and sustain it. Kathy Wood, another person who is uh, diametrically opposed to what most Wall Street and bank analysts are saying, that the market is going to hit that double um, dip recession and things are going to slow down dramatically. She, however, feels that that is overstated because we are not looking at the fact that uh, wages are going higher. There's a lot of businesses that want to hire people and people just need to get hired, but they are choosing not to because the government's giving them extra money. So as soon as the government takes away that money, those people are going to have to go find a job. That is Kathy's analysis of things and says that the market is, you know, it, 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 it may not be the strongest that it could be, but it is definitely not in a dire position. But here's the interesting thing about both of them, in my opinion. And I might be outlandish in saying this, but I think they're trying to secure themselves a short position. The economic data, again, I keep saying Federal Reserve economic data. This is a place where you can look up uh, economic data as it relates to the U.S. economy called FRED, F-R-E-D, Federal Reserve economic data. The economic data shows that month after month, things have um, been going in the opposite direction of strength. And again, as I've said before, when that data is doing that, you won't see it initially because it's going to rear its ugly head over time. And once it finally rears its ugly head, when you have political issues against, like I always talk about gridlock, or you have a very catastrophic event, let's say maybe um, short-term interest rates going negative, which is not going to happen, but I'm just saying an example, uh, you would then kind of see headline risks that of all the news that was being reported month after month from all the Federal Reserves around the country to the Federal Reserve economic data and is an aggregate speaking about how the economy steadily is getting weaker. That's how you would see it. You would see it all through that uniform uh, step-by-step way to conclusion. Now, until you see something like that, of course, you're not going to have people who are proponents of keeping markets high like Ackman and Wood saying otherwise because it behooves them. Why does it behoove them? One, Bill has a huge SPAC out there that he's issued, which obviously is going to want access to credit 
credit being cheap with money flowing, that's the best that's the best situation he could ever ask for. Kathy Wood is a big uh, investor in Tesla. If QE and these things continue going on, Tesla is obviously making money off of credits and uh, government money flowing. If government tightens, you don't know how it might affect Tesla. Tesla is not making money off of selling cars. Kathy has a very big position in Tesla and a few other places. The combination of these kind of stories is one of the main reasons why Michael Burry is short uh, Kathy Wood's ARK investments as well as just short the U.S. Treasury market. He, it is his feeling and my feeling also that it is speculation that is running these prices up. And now let me give it to you in real world scenarios. Much like we speak about in the, in the housing market, you understand speculations there because the prices are more expensive. But let's look at it from this other perspective. The prices are so decoupled from what's going on is that the speculation comes in where investors, as well as uh, people who want to just sell their home, are looking at the real estate market in such a way that, okay, they keep offering more money. All I got to do is just put my house up and someone is going to buy it. It's been happening that way. So I'm going to try and be more lofty and lofty and and ask for more and more money. You can see that, um, I guess you could say class gurus and people saying, hey, you can come make money in real estate are putting you into a position where you can borrow or try to go get access to a loan so that you can uh, buy the house, flip the house because there's so much demand for houses. So if you can take this old house and you can fix it up and you can sell it and it sounds great, but there's something wrong. And let me tell you what it is. You're speculating. Oh, hold on. I know that was dramatic effect, but not, not something that you already didn't know. But let me tell you how you're speculating. Most people who get into these businesses say, hey, the reason you want to get into this business because it's another way to supplement your income. Especially anyone who's young who's listening to this, and you see DJ Envy, people other people other people on the um uh, on Instagram and in social media talking about and pushing classes about real estate. They're pushing a narrative of you to go and get a loan to acquire property because the lending is cheap. Even though they're leaving out the part about you needing collateral because banks don't want to lend to overvalued assets. But let's take that away. They're telling you to do all this while what is about to happen, or let's even, before we even talk about what's about to happen, what are most millennials feeling and just most people in general's feeling, especially the millennials, what is their feeling about the US dollar? That it has no value, that it's getting devalued. So you're choosing to not only take a loan on an asset that is dollar denominated, that you feel is losing value, then the Fed is actively telling you they're looking into tightening and you're choosing to buy that asset at its inflated value. What's going to happen to your asset when they start to tighten? Your asset's going to go down in value. What happens if they tighten and they have announced that they may have to raise interest rates, that other parts of the Fed Members are very hawkish. Hawkish means people want to raise interest rates. Dovish means people want to be soft on interest rates. 
they want rates to, ri to rise, less people are going to borrow and your asset that you purchase won't be able to be easily sold. Speculation. But let's go even deeper to show you how speculation is working in these real markets. Another big trend right now is trucking. So many people are telling you to get into trucking. You can make $100,000. You don't need to drive a truck. You could just own the 18-wheeler, et cetera, et cetera. Much like the other episode I did about trucking, I left out this part because I wasn't even thinking about the speculation part. I just knew it was a dumb deal. You are speculating in those markets using collateralized loans, whether it be the truck as the asset, your home as the asset, or something else tangible as the asset. You're trifling in very murky waters, those who choose to do this, because you are, again, buying an asset that is overvalued while the Fed chooses to want to taper, and your asset is the one that might get revalued, whether it be the truck or your home, and you've now collateralized that property to buy another asset that's supposed to be income generating, but that asset is going to lose its value. Why is it, I'm sorry, not the asset's gonna lose its value. That industry and business is going to lose its exponential value because of what? What did I quote in the beginning of this? Because the thought is the market is reopening, supply chains are reopening, consumers will now demand more goods and will have the supply to meet them. But what have I spoken about in other episodes? When people are getting the threat of eviction or they have forbearance uh, coming due or their extended unemployment benefits are expiring, they are not going to want to take new loans. The interest rates, the real interest rates are going to be too high. So your drivers who are demanding in your trucking business, who are demanding more money and you were willing to pay them because the supply chain was broken and now the supply chain had opened up and they feel their people are coming back uh, into an open economy to consume more. Well, truckers aren't going to take less salary. They want the same amount per mile. But when some of these vendors are holding on to um, product longer than they want to, well, you're going to have a problem because they're going to have to discount that product. It's going to take them longer to bring in new product. And when they do bring in new product, they're not going to want to pay as much per mile to get that product where it needs to be. Oh, you better believe that this whole thing is interconnected and speculation is running rampant. And you can see the speculation before your eyes in real time. Just giving you those examples for one. Actually, for one and two, excuse me. So it's just a very, just really foolish way that most people are handling things and thinking that everything's just going to work itself out and uh, this is all transitory and it'll just work out perfectly, you know? University of Michigan's economic data, uh, which speaks about current conditions, it just tells you an idea of what is going on currently in the market and what the sentiment is of people. And what it is saying, it it harps back to uh, the year 2000 and 2008, that the expectations of people feeling that they have the ability to discretionary spend 
are drastically low. In 2000, when people started feeling that after the dot-com crashed, um, um, the economy tightened and we got into a recession. In 2008, when they started feeling that same thing, couldn't purchase, and we went right into the holiday season as uh, we had President Trump, uh, no, not President Trump, President Obama's um, first term, or no, was it his first term? No, uh, President Bush was coming out of his term, uh, going into Obama's first term. You saw this same sort of issue where people did not have convictions of uh, purchasing power. And in 2021, you saw the same thing back in 2020. And this year, we're running into a potential repeat of that problem where it will be holiday season of 2021 and people feeling and knowing their inability to purchase uh, with indiscretion. It's not going to happen. So what does it lead people to do, right? It's leading people to say, how else can I make some money in this market? When people are feeling tight and you see them when everyone is speaking about how they can come into, into the stock market and make some money, the first thing they're thinking about is margin. If you ever wanted to understand how do you consistently compound your returns and make it fast, keyword making it fast, people are going to use margin. And when they turn to use margin, we tend to run into a particular scenario where you can see this on uh, the Federal Reserve economic data, and you can search it by just looking up um, the lend, uh, excuse me, that's the lending. You can look it up under commercial banks in the U.S., assets and liabilities, assets and liabilities of commercial banks in the U.S. When you look that up, you'll look up a, a, a loan sequence that is called other securities, other non-classified securities, and you will see that it is referencing margin debt. And margin debt has been steadily increasing every month, month after month since January. It is levering up the economy and levering up the buying uh, so that people can try to participate in the markets by hoping government money continues to flow and it ticks upward. Now, being very objective, they're not wrong. The Fed continues to do quantitative easing, though you may not see it. You can tell that they're doing it because you can see the Fed balance sheet still increasing month after month. But there is a commitment to try to figure it out and try to make it slow down. But what's crazy about this concept that it can slow down, and I don't want people to think I'm talking in a circle again, but it might seem that way, is that this very economy that they want opening back up and people to participate in and spend more money, uh, manufacturing is down considerably by about 13% um, overall, meaning we're producing less. The QE is being done and continued to be done because they're afraid of letting of raising rates and pulling uh, money out of the market, causing the market to fall. So they have to be very tactical. This is the financial engineering that is reverse repo. You're taking these things into account and you're saying to yourself, or at least I'm saying to myself, well, which one is it? Which way do I go? Going back to the hypothesis of this episode that speculation um, has made the equity markets decouple from the Federal Reserve economic data. And I'm going to tell you which way you go. 
you continue to look for a short position and structure it. Because as I said in the beginning of this episode, from people like Kathy Wood and uh, Bill Ackman, they're going to set positions for themselves. Last go-round, Ackman set a position for himself in Herbalife before he started announcing that he thinks it's a big scam. Other other time in his uh, two point his fifteen million dollar trade to two point five billion, Ackman was already in a position to be long, and then speaking about how things are dire if the Fed does not step in, he's he, he's very uncomfortable. Fed has already placed his positions and claiming that he was already long and he had an insurance contract from derivative swaps before he even had that conversation, closed down those derivative swaps and was actively long in positions. Yeah, okay. You're speaking because you've already acquired yourself a net long position and now it is worth it to you. I can't knock it. I know the name of the game, but that's what's really happening. So without being convoluted, I say all of that to say I'm still shorting this uh, S&P 500. I'm holding it in, in puts. Then going back and still looking at the VIX to spike, holding it in calls, being very cautious on where I want to stop out. But every time I see that we, again, like I keep repeating in other episodes, every time I see that we don't have new policy that extends new money to individual people's hands. It's an inevitable moment that must happen, and it will happen. I had a strong discussion with a buddy of mine, um, Alan Ettinger, former um, runner of money on the street. And we spoke, and he was saying he hoped that this whole thing would come to an end soon. And could not agree with my hypothesis that it doesn't come to an end until you're going into the next administration. Not when the next administration is sworn in, but when we're going into it and we get an understanding of who that insti- hints, who that administration is and what they intend to do with this economy. Because there's only so many people who are going to understand and know how to play this game of uh, musical chairs and juggling all while trying to work out this economy. At some point. You're going to have to transfer the reins and speak about transferring those reins. And if that person is not strong enough, they will make a catastrophic decision. What were the two things that could actually make this market crash aggressively? A catastrophic uh, situation per Mohammed El Arian, or you have a situation of um, of uh, what, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. You, you'll you'll end up with a situation of a political mismanagement where the government can't come to a resolution to to save uh, any cause anything that they're causing in the economy. And when I say what they're causing, it's like monetary policy being loose has caused this issue of rampant inflation, especially at a time where the Fed was feeling like, well, we can't get inflation anyway, so we can just print until we have inflation and then we can deal with the inflation when we get there. It's a wild time. It's a wild time. Mortgage applications have obviously fallen. Uh, There's been no spike in mortgage applications to indicate that rates were too high or maybe they fell and then people put in new applications because rates were too high. Uh, As it even shows right now, people 
are not buying as much as they were if they're even coming close to buying it. So that need to um, to look at, for the for mortgage rates to spike or for that for you to participate in that market, uh, buying a house and speculating that you're going to get what you want out of it, you'd be a fool because the rates are not spiking. The rates have a steady decline of people just losing interest or just feeling like they cannot afford things. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I can only just say this. Uh, there's no need to chase in this market, as some people would say you can't predict. There's just no need. There's no need to chase because all you need to do is set your trap, figure out your strategy, set it up, much like we're doing um, with the SPY, slightly moving your portfolio from the long side more to the short side with some balance, and take advantage of when things change because they will change. And once they change, they are going to snap back uh, for at least a strong pullback, and you will definitely be able to clean up with conviction. And if that pullback doesn't have enough people buying the dip as they've been so psychologically conditioned to, the markets will keep falling. However, it is my belief that those people will buy the dip and feel it's a big opportunity, and you will hear so many people talking about it. But it won't matter that it's a big opportunity because there won't be continuation um, back on the top end, and it should continue falling down. There's too many people who are aware that they're overpaying too much, and they will not continue to do it because their wages cannot keep up with what they need to pay in order to even be in the club. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you just for tuning in to Trade Talk week in and week out. This is L.A. Aiko signing out. Take care.